Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hey, everybody. It is episode 80. We are recording on April 18th, which is the updated tax day. So hopefully your oh. taxes were already in. Dude, I did my taxes like in February. Like literally the minute I got my W-2s, I'm like, taxes submitted. You are what we call a responsible person. Um, it's called Actually, this is an interesting question. It's called, I want my money. <laughs> Here's another give me question. my refund. Since you are in the army and the ar- and the army is paid for by our taxes, are you technically paying yourself? I mean, it's weird, but technically, yes. <laughs> it's it's really weird. Um, I mean, I don't want we don't want to, we don't need to get into tax stuff because we want we got magic stuff to talk about. But oh, no, 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 no. But no, it just just kind of like and I'm not even saying like weird and like the oh, yeah, it is kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's like no, it actually is kind of like cir- circuitous like that, where it's like taxpayer dollars fund the government, which pays my bills. Which pays my salary, but I also take a they also take a cut in federal and state taxes out of the pay that the federal government has paid me. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yep. Yeah. Just let, let that hurt your brain for a minute or two. <laughs> Anyways, uh, did I say the title? The title is Into the Arena because uh, alongside the fact that Dominaria pre-releases this weekend and you all should go, um, there are some big inf- there's a big info dump about new stuff coming out for Arena thanks to Dominaria. And we want to talk a little bit about that, a few more of the Dominaria kind of rules changes and new cards uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Because Dominaria looks really sweet. Um, I'm doing Two-Headed Giant on Sunday because I was going to do some more on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay and I were actually talking about it like really – it's like, hey, some of, the other, some of our friends are doing it on Saturday. And I'm like, I think we might have missed out by a week on that because Card Kingdom is a very popular store to get to the pre-release at. And they sell out literally weeks in advance for like 70 plus slots on each of their time things for the 11 a.m. slots. I'm which is- very lucky that's that's not an issue I've ever had to come up against where a store is like, yeah, sorry, we can't. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no. That's – well, their, their midnight ones and their 5 p.m. ones still have slots available on Sunday. There's also – and that's the Ballard store, not the Bellevue store. But Lindsay and I are going to the Bellevue store uh, on Sunday night for the Two-Headed Giant. Oh, well. Anyways. That's what we always do. It's fun. Uh, but first, uh, we want to turn our eyes to the community real quick because uh, we had a historic event happen this weekend out in uh, Sydney, I believe. Uh, I believe it was out in Australia. Mel- Melbourne. It was in Melbourne? Yeah. I'm sorry to our Australian listeners. No, you're right. It was Sydney. I'm wrong. No, uh-huh. I'm sorry. I have Melbourne on the brain because they just changed the Yeah, they just changed it to Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. It was Sydney. Yeah, it is. Man, back-to-back weeks of historic events. What was this one, John? Uh, this one was um, Magic has been around for 25 years. And uh, little unsurprising fact, we haven't had a lot of very high-profile uh, women players in a long time. And – We've had women top eight pro tours. We've had women uh, top eight GPs. But two of the things that haven't happened up until this point have been a a woman has never won a pro tour and a woman has never won a GP. But there weren't any pro tours this weekend, which means that we had our first woman win a GP in all of Magic's history. Yeah, and it was a team event. So Mm -hmm. here's the thing. Not to belittle the fa- this fact that that is a team, she did work on her own. In fact, the actual final concession in the championship was her opponent to her. Ah, uh, because okay. she be- yeah, I think she won game two, the second match, which led to their win. There as far go. as what I saw on the uh, the hand hand shot video, because there was no coverage of GP Sydney this weekend, right? Uh, the outside of text, but yeah, Jessica, I think is a Stefan. That sounds about right, Stefan. Sorry, butchered your name, Jessica. Anyway, congratulations to her, Ryan Lewis-Johns, and Lachlan Saunders, who were her teammates. Uh, she was on Black Red Hollow One, which is just utterly demolishing people these days. Uh, Ryan was on Humans, and Lachlan was on Mono Green Tron. So basically the the current three, I, I not say best, but biggest beaters right now in the format in Modern. Or those three. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that. And also that this is past big, weekend. Yeah. Uh, this past weekend was also GP Hartford, uh, which was uh, I think they did have coverage for. Yes, they did. And that was just regular modern, whereas Sydney was team modern. Yep. And and modern was seems to be very combo centric or aggressive centric. Yeah, people modern has become a ship in the night format. Matt Nass hashtag Team Shorts, uh, one with Ironwork combo. So Clark Clan Ironworks, which basically uses that. 
plus Scrap Trawler and Mirror Retriever to just cycle through a whole bunch of stuff and just literally... Eventually it generates enough mana to Pyrite Spell Bomb you to death. Yeah, and it just starts recurring Pyrite Spell Bombs, like starts looping it. So basically it just starts popping you for two damage in the face yep. constantly over and over again. I will uh, say that I was rooting for uh, Mapson, uh, his opponent, who is on uh, Primal Titan. Yeah, Amulet Titan, still a thing. Yep. Still, still a thing. good, but and still we had very a powerful. Burn Green White Hexproof, so ba- uh, Boggles. Mm-hmm. That let me tell you what Boggles is running for main deck Leyland of Sanctity these days. Yeah, they've it, been doing it since the Mox, and it's been really helping out its its issues with stuff like Liliana the Veil and discard. It's disgusting, and I hate it because that's what I'm basically running these days. Uh, Frank Scarn had brought Affinity. We had a Black Red Hollow with Max McVitie in the top eight. Elves top eight, and another Boggles deck. Um, yep. Titan Shift, Black Blue Red Breach, Living End, a Blue Black taking turns deck instead of the usual Mono Blue or Blue White. This is Dan- that's Daniel Wong. He's the guy who quad sleeves his cards. Oh, the uh, the the legendary quad sleeve all foil deck. Yes, the one from GP Vegas last year. Yeah, he he finished twelfth th- uh, this there weekend. Pack Cox on humans. Oliver two on Mar Pyromancer. Uh, another Black Red Hollow one and JD and Clemperens on Jund. Round out the top sixteen. There you go. So modern looks had, a lot of fun. We had a top sixteen finish in one event for a woman, and then we hit a winner in the other one, and we had non-binary comp- uh, competitor. Uh, Autumn, I've blanked on her last name right now. She won, Burchette, the, I believe. Yeah, Burchette. Yeah, she. They won the online mocks. Yes, open. Which means that they're called for the pro tour. Which means they're called for the Magic Online Championships next year, uh, among many other things. Yeah, so pretty awesome weekend in terms of oh yeah big events in paper and online. But now you also had of- you had a big event on uh, in paper this weekend, John. Let's let's so uh, this let's past so this, this past weekend was uh, the last weekend for PPTQs to qualify for the RPTQs to qualify for Pro Tour 25th anniversary, which is the team event. And uh, this was out in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is about an hour and a half drive. Uh, my friend Doug and I drove up there, uh, and I was going to be playing uh, New Perspectives because I really like the deck. You're weird, uh, and I think and I think it was really good. <laughs> Uh, he's been trying to get me to play this deck for forever it's so much fun okay listen i'm not hating on it i'm just saying you're just trying to get me to constantly play it's like i'm like i don't know what to play in standard play new perspectives i'm like john come on it's it's really cheap to build the singles are very very inexpensive but anyways but doug was playing esper tokens uh which is essentially if you don't know what esper tokens is it is a black white deck splashing blue around the synergy of hidden stockpile which is a black-white enchantment from Ether Revolt that says, uh, Revolt at the end of, beginning of your instep, if you had a permanent leaf play this turn, make a 1-1 colorless artifact creature servo. And then it has sacri- one sacrifice a creature, scry one, as an activated ability. And then Anointed Procession is the four-mana enchantment from Amonkhet in white that says, uh, if you if you would make a token, make double tokens. Yep, I run that in my commander deck with... Uh... Edgar Markov, and that's oh, insane. It's disgusting. Yeah. Uh, but So I'm assuming this has Marionette Master in it? No, this oh. is the base Esper Tokens deck. This is essentially just that engine splashing blue for uh, cards like Search for Escanta, the Scarab God, stuff like that. Uh, Doug's <laughs> big – oh, and Champion of Wits is the other big thing that you get. Ah, okay. Uh, Doug's major innovation for this tournament was moving the Scarab Gods, which there's only one copy of in the deck, from the main deck to the sideboard. Uh, because the way that he read it, he reads he read Standard at this point, is you have to have an answer to Scarab God. And the de- every deck is going to be have an answer for Scarab God by turn five when when the Scarab God is going to come down. And in a tokens deck where the idea of the deck is to invalidate all of your opponent's removal, playing the Scarab God just suddenly makes it so that your removal is all live. And it's like, ah, oh, this Rask is content is riding in my hand. Get your Scarab God, you know. So basically, the Esper Tokens deck, he moved it to the sideboard because he just wanted to make all the removal dead. Because like his only creatures in the main deck that are actually creatures are uh, the aforementioned Champion of Wits. And Anointer Priest, which, if you don't remember, it's one of the white for a 1-3 that says whenever a token comes into play, uh, or a creature token comes into play, you gain a life with Embalm for a 3 and a white. Yeah, so basically, it's like, go ahead, use it on a server that can literally just sack it anyway, and it'll trigger Revolt because it leaves the battlefield. Thanks. Yeah. 
He also has the li- his exact list is is a lot of threes and ones. Like he has three cast outs in the main deck and one Exxon's binding. He has one profane procession in the main deck. Uh, the other ways to- and basically the way that you win the game is you just make a bunch of tokens using stuff like hidden stockpile, anointer priest, um, champion of wits. Procession. He also plays two copies of start to finish. Interesting. Uh, which is the after black white aftermath card at- from Amonkhet. Which is two and a white instant, create two one one warriors, and then f- aftermath of two and a black for bone splinters. Um, Basically, second creature, destroy target creature. Correct. And then the, his other main win condition is Chef at Dunes, which is the desert from our devastation, the white one. Oh, that, gives all creatures plus one plus one for two white white and sack two a desert. White, sack a, yes. Yeah. So that's basically how he ends games. I mean, just pre-board. Just go wide and smash face. Seems decent. Exactly. And then post board, he gets the Scarab God. Uh, he also has Search Force Canton in the main deck to help him dig. Uh, and basically, and he also has other blue cards in the sideboard or stuff like Negate and Spell Pierce. So, so what did uh, you, so I know you mentioned you're on your perspective. Like, what is your, like, take current on the current standard that's about to end? Like, this is, you know, that was like the last the standard, week of standard, I guess. Basically. I think the standard is very fun. Um, I do think it's really interesting how late in the season it's become very combo oriented. We're like, New Perspectives got, you know, 23rd at the last standard GP, and Blue-Red Godfather's Gift put out three copies in that top eight. Um, and so Blue-Red Godfather's Gift being the the, more, the most recent innovation on this Godfather's Gift kind of strategy uh, to have essentially a combo finish on turn four, or even on turn three if necessary, or if possible, is very interesting. Yeah, um, we, we, mentioned, we mentioned the, that last week. It's the Combat Celebrant getting copied it's yeah, combat celebrant, bring back combat celebrant, bring back vizier of many faces, cloning a combat celebrant, make a bajillion attack steps, not infinite combat steps, but a bajillion combat steps. Uh to just kill your opponent. An arbitrarily large number of combat steps. Not well, not necessarily arbitrarily large, because of how combat celebrant is worded. Uh it's if it hasn't been exerted this turn, you may exert it, and if you do, you get another combat. So basically you have to get all you'd have to get all of your combat celebrants and all of your viziers. Oh but anyways, and you start cycling through th- Yeah, I know, I gotcha. Yeah, but but anyways, you, you basically make a bunch of four fours and kill your opponent in one to two turns. Sweet. So Doug went three one one in the Swiss. He managed to get a handshake in the last round. Uh, I went three and two in the Swiss because I was the seventh placed player uh, at the end of the fourth round, played against the eighth placed player. But there was also the person in ninth who could potentially win and make the top eight. So I had to play, which I lost. Uh, funny story: if I had won, uh, I would have been the first seed in the top eight, and I would have played my friend Doug in the quarterfinals in the first oh. round. Oh dang! Because he was eighth. But uh, so, but so Doug played Grixis Energy or played against Grixis Energy, usual Scarab God Red deck stuff like that. He beat them two zero. Then he played against Mardu Vehicles in the semifinals, uh, beat them two zero. But his his semifinals game was semifinals game two is very very close. He won with one with one life left. Once again, one is not zero. Oh yeah, one is not zero for sure. And then in the top eight in the finals, he was playing against uh, Just Guy Godfaro's Gift. So this is essentially just the blue-white Godfather's Gift deck playing red now for Fanatical Firebrand and uh, Combat Celebrants. But they just couldn't give up on the fact that Angel of Invention is a very, very huge get off of a Godfather's Gift. So he loses game one because he refused – he didn't realize how dead he was when his opponent uh, brought back a Combat Celebrant. Uh, and Doug and Doug admitted he misplayed, and I told him so. And if he didn't admit it, he should. Uh, because he had three mana available with like five creatures in play and a hidden stockpile on the battlefield with two card with like f- four cards in hand. Uh, the only relevant ones were start to finish, which was the card he was planning to cast, and uh, fatal push in hand, which come out after board, obviously, in yeah. this matchup. His opponent landed the Godfather's Gift, targeted a combat celebrant, brought it back, and then Doug let him go to attacks. Oh, because, no. But then Doug was dead. But because he could have sacked a token got revolt and then pushed it and then that would have given him a few more turns but i do agree with doug that he was basically dead that game anyways yeah it's kind of one of those like sounds like he was on the back foot hardcore at that point so it was yeah game two he manages to win because his opponent mulligans to five uh and also doug manages to land a land a profane procession and manages to steal a vizier of many faces a champion or a combat celebrant and an angel of invention and then just starts playing his opponent's cards um, and wins the game that way. Uh, then in game three, uh, his opponent mulligan to six again, and Doug managed to keep it kept a decent seven, but he was on the he was on the draw, and he managed to grind it out and win off of making a bunch of tokens with new, with um, uh, what's it called anointed anointed procession. Uh, he had an active as Canta. It, it was just 
he managed to win. And this is his first uh, PPTQ win and his first win since he won a PTQ uh, back in RTR standard. Or wow. RTR limited, I believe. Which <laughs> AKA qual- which is- before we started playing again. Exactly, which is which is what he qualified for when he played at Pro Tour Gate Crash, um, and but the, here's the thing about this PPTQ season: if you win a PPTQ, because there there's no store that I think can reasonably run a team PPTQ, that person can take two of two of whoever they want to the RPTQ as a team. So as of right now, the team is going to be Doug, uh, guest on the podcast, Vinny, and myself for the RPTQs coming June 10th and June 24th. Uh, in Team Unified Standard. So, your boy's going to be playing in an RT- RPTQ. Heck yeah. <laughs> That's how you uh, go uh, back asswards into a... Basically, yeah. Into getting into an RPTQ. Yeah. But, but hey, course, yeah. who cares? I mean, if you do that, then you're qualified for the Pro Tour. <laughs> yeah, it's the top two teams get qualified for the Pro Tour um, from the from the RPTQ. And that's going to be so region wise. So uh, there is one at, literally in our backyard on June 10th. Um, it's up in Madison, which is not that far from here um, at the next level games. TNL, we call it TNLG. Um, and that's on June 10th. But we're kind of working through because it's over the summer. People have summer plans. And so we may have to play the 24th out in Texas, mm. um, which is not which is not a close drive from Nashville, Road but that, trip. But that is the closest one that weekend, as opposed to the one that's literally okay, down the road. Wait, where in Texas, though? Uh, I have it actually available. Because uh, <laughs> I've made the drive before from base. Okay, that's not too terrible. It's like up near Dallas. Yeah. No, I've made, the, I've made the comics in Plano. I've made the drive from about Fort Hood, which is like Austin-ish area, like central Texas, all the way out past Nashville to... Um, Oh man, Knoxville. No, it's the town that has all the race car stuff. Oh, Bristol. Bristol. Yeah, no, that's I've that's, done that in one day. Let me tell you, oh, eleven eleven hundred and one miles in one day. That was a bad choice. <laughs> Technically, yeah. it was two days because it went like till four a.m. the next day. But it was bad. Yeah, that's not a fun drive. So hopefully, you were like tag teaming that drive. I know I was solo. I was young and Ooh. dumb. I was young and stupid. Fair. Um. No. So with the RPTQs, though. You only get one shot at it. You can't go uh, to the you can't go to the one in your backyard and then go to the other one in Texas. Correct. Correct. Once you go to an RPTQ, you are you. Once you go to the RPTQ, you're qualified for. You can't go to any others. Correct. I just wanted to know, that, let, yeah. let the people at home who might not. Have yeah. Known so it's not that. like go to the tenth one, scrub out, go to the one on the twenty fourth. We don't have that. We don't have that luxury. Yeah, you can't. We're going to choose one weekend. We're going to go to that weekend. Now, weird question. Sure. Say you or Vinny had also gotten an RPTQ invite. Invite. Could you use one person's thing there, or the other, and another person's at a different event? I or... think the I think that's going to be a no. No, no, I know. I figured as much, but I was just being like, I don't know that rule actually. That that would be a question that I would have to ask somebody at Wizards. Yeah, that seems like in, a weird, who works in organized play. It seems like a weird loophole, though. Like you get a bunch of people who are like grinders, and you can just grind RPTQs, which is. But basically, how this season worked it was basically like one person wins a PPTQ, then they choose two of their friends to say, "Hey, we're going to be a team at the RPTQ," and then all three of those players just stop playing PPTQs, essentially. Although the other two people could still play or whatever, um, because once you've got the RPTQ invite, you don't have you can't play in a PPTQ for that season. Yeah, correct. So yeah, but. It's going to be really interesting to see how this how this plays out. And it's unified um, standard, right? Yeah, team unified standard, including Dominaria cards, uh, which, just like team unified modern, if we stack all of our decks on top of one another, they have to be a single legal, legal standard deck with the caveat that one card cannot be in two different decks. Or one card, or decks cannot share cards that aren't basic lands, essentially. Yeah, so, so basically, if, like the team GP that just happened. Actually, no, it's different because that means... Because you can actually split cards across decks, I think. No, team. not anymore. They changed that rule. Oh, they changed it. Okay, so they changed I, like, that rule a few years ago. Oh. Uh, so yeah, so if one of our decks is playing two Vraska's Contempts, that's all the Vraska's Contempts we can play. Yeah, so you if better two, be playing. If one four of our of... decks is playing like three isolated chapels, that other isolated chapel can't just go to any other deck. Yeah, you can't play. It's it's harder to play fun of cards. Exactly. Um, but that's going to be a question that we're going to be working on, and we're going to be trying to figure out. Uh, we're gonna wait to see how Dominaria shakes out a little bit, see how the Pro Tour looks, uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna try to let loose and figure out exactly, you know, okay, 
what deck do we want to play? Like, what are the decks that we want to play? What are the cards that we have to play? What are the, um, you know, what is it that we want? You know, who yeah, do we who, want to play what deck? Yeah, who's yeah, who's going to get which deck? Who's going to, who's, what seat should we even be in? All that kind of fun stuff, too. I, w- I did, I think I next leveled us when I was asking whether or not seating depends also on deck, on, like, deck participation. Like, are teams more likely to put an aggro deck in seat A versus an aggro deck in seat B? And I don't know if that's true or not. That's something you we could probably... That's like a super, could, that's like, I think that's a super next level thing. Like, yeah, that's one of those, like, the hardcore people will realize, like, who you're going to play. Like, usually you just put your best player on, on the deck they're best with in the center seat so that they can just, you know, get done quickly and pop both side to side if they need to. Yeah. But that's but that's something that we're going to discuss, and we're going to tr- we're going to keep it a little bit close to the vest. Uh, we did talk about potentially doing like one big meeting that we do record, and I'll, we'll put out as a podcast where it's just Doug, Vinny, and I, and anyone else who wants to jump in in the local scene from uh, from our friend group, just talking about decks and figuring out you know what are the decks we want to play and stuff like that. But that'll be a that'll be a future discuss future discussion we're going to have. Sounds pretty cool. Look forward to it. Oh that. yes, I'm very excited. Supplemental episode yeah. in a few weeks. Probably a month or so, but yeah. So enough about that PPT thing, which sounds amazing. You mentioned we had a massive info dump today. Yes. Across multiple uh, Digital platforms. Yeah, multiple platforms, yeah. So So we had arena updates because Dominaria, turns out, it's going live soon. Um, Specifically, Dominaria is going to go live on Magic on MTG Arena on the 26th of April. With some visual improvements as well as a new battlefield image slash playmat. Because uh, right now you can either play in Ixalan or you can play in Amonkhet. Um, by the way, I, de- I didn't put this feedback anywhere else, but I do love the fact that when you like clicking on the battlefield, uh, it the sound is stereo. Yeah, it's so if cool. like you're clicking on the left side, it, sh- it comes out of your left speaker. If you're clicking on the right side, it comes out of your right speaker. Anyways, that's like a, u- a huge mi- like miniature thing. Uh, also coming out on little UI tweaks that are c- cool. Exactly. Uh, also coming out on April 26th is Best of One Constructed Events, which I'm kind of confused exactly what they mean, if how that's different from Ladder, but... Um, I So, we mentioned multiple formats. There was also a live stream that they've been doing recently. Unfortunately, I work during the day, <laughs> so I don't get to catch these, and I didn't have the time after work to run it back and rewatch the VOD. It does exist. If you are absolutely curious in watching uh, Trick and Nate from wizards play yep uh some games while answering questions uh we'll put it down in the show notes it's just one of the twitch vods it's really easy to go find if you also want to just grab it without looking at the notes yeah uh the other big thing that was announced alongside the best of one constructed events is that we're getting best of one draft starting on may 4th so not too far out um and there's going to be draft events available each weekend uh, but one point of consternation that many people kind of got all up in arms about is that to start, there's going to be drafts against bots instead of just full eight-person pods. Um, the easy reason why this is is they don't want to have to try to run up with a come run up with a queue system where you might be waiting for you know a minute or so in order to get f- full eight people for a draft. And so instead, what's going to happen is you're going to be put into a pod with seven computers. And you're going to draft your deck in that pod and then play other people who had similar draft experience, a similar draft experience where they also got put into a pod with seven computers and drafted a deck there. Yeah. So what they've mentioned is like, they're still tweaking the AI and stuff. And there's actually a thing where you can actually shut the, shut the draft down mid draft and hop back in later. Which you can't do when you have eight people drafting live. Yeah, so you can basically be like, oh, crap, I started a draft I'm midway through pack two, and I have to, an emergency popped up. You can leave, like, close your client, or leave the draft, close the client, come back when you're done with your emergency, and hop back in right at the same pick you were at. Yeah. So the other, the big, the big thing that I, re- or the big reason why I think this is kind of a foolhardy kind of hill to die on is... Hearthstone gets around this by not by a not having keeper drafts and b their drafts being essentially pick a th- pick one of these three cards and do this like fifteen times or whatever their deck size is I don't remember. Um, Eternal gets around this by instead of drafting with computers, you're drafting full packs and you're drafting with other people. But essentially in Eternal, it's a infinitely large pod where you are getting past packs that other people have open and taken picks out of. 
but you will very unlikely never see those people. Yeah, and it could be if somebody, and it could be somebody who had already drafted an hour, like ago. a week ago. Yeah, like a week ago, two weeks ago, maybe not that long ago. I don't know how quickly their latency goes, and they'll never tell us. No, but it, it is kind of like the asynchronous drafting. There is it's kind of cool how it works for that, but Magic has a very particular set of because skills. yeah, because of the reason <laughs> that cards can wheel. That's the big thing. Yeah, the fact that cards can wheel is kind of the big detriment. To magic, which while yes, having an eight-person pod is is a very nice, clean number, as far as like a single elimination bracket goes. As far as you know, having a clean, not needing to necessarily you know draft the same pack or whatever, the fact that cards wheel is very, very difficult. I think from a programming perspective and a game design perspective. Yeah, and they mentioned here too, uh, basically some of the cards you'll you'll make you might see some of these dual lands. The AI says it's going to be built to win. So it will be like, okay, I'm not in those colors. I just got a dual land that maybe be like a, a $10 card or whatever like that. And a human would be like, oh, sweet, $10. Get get in like later on the draft. The bot will just be like, nope, disregard. It doesn't fit my deck. And just Well, I think the other it. thing there is the fact that because we're on arena and card, the card's value is strictly tied to its rarity. So people could rare draft and basically be like, oh, I need this isolated table for my collection. They'll take it. But the fact that the bots aren't is actually something reasonable and I think is a good idea. But yeah, and I understand like this, you know, it's an avenue to help the reconstructed deck. So it's like maybe you get in on that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's it's purely aimed if, if you – so again, we've said this with Arena a lot is that if you have an issue with this and you're, you know, wah, 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 it's probably not aimed at you. <laughs> Yeah. This is all this kind of thing is definitely not aimed at the hardcore I'm going to go grind like five drafts just to practice for this upcoming uh limited P, like limited uh GP or top 8 kind of crap that I'm going to be going to or day 2. Yeah. So um plus also um there's the fact that this is not a Magic Online replacement. This is not Magic Online part 2 or part 6 or whatever it is. This is <laughs> supposed to be something else entirely. Yeah. And kind of mentioning that too, uh, gem purchases are going to be going live. I don't now in the update post they have a state of the beta thing, and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this in the state of the beta. They didn't talk about it in the state of the beta arena or forum post, so I was like, maybe they talked about it on the web stream. I have to dig into it. Plus, dig through Twitter and see if they actually did. I didn't see any of the major players like Saffron Olive, Professor, anyone talking about like the actual. I assume it's it's the same, like the gems to gold is going to be the same ratio that we're used to seeing of like 10 to 1 gold to – or 10 to 1 gold to gems. So like one gem is the equivalent of 10 gold. And speaking of that though, if you are in the beta, do not worry. There is no wipe incoming. Yeah, the next wipe is either going to be when it goes to open beta or when it goes to full release. Yeah, and but, but one of the t- and, a, and a tweet that they the MCG Arena Twitter account said too is if so if you are in the beta, do not open your vault thing that you get because apparently they're upping the rewards inside these vaults, so you're going to have better rewards. Now that's the stuff that you, like over time and you accrue wins and you accrue packs you've opened, you get a little bit more chunked towards your vault opening, and then you can yeah. open it up. Um, I Which did again. The I vault, did a vault is a very op- weird. System. I did a vault a opening. I did a vault opening like a week or two ago, but yeah, so I'm like about 50%, I think, towards my next one. So I'll grind it out, but it's actually fun. I was playing on stream last night, so oh, we'll get to we'll get to thoughts on Arena in a second, but um, there's also a show-off event. So it's not a streamer really showdown, but it's a streamer show-off. There is a massive list of streamers, um, yeah. just to name a couple of them. Amaz is going to be doing it, Ashlyn Rose. Uh, Brian Kibler, Gabby Sparts, uh, buddy Cam Illion's doing it. Loading Ready Run, Magic the Amateuring, uh, Kenji, uh, buddy Riptide Prolide, uh, Semlin. That's uh, who's Semlin again? Uh, Travis. Travis Sowers. Yes. Yeah, Travis Sowers is doing it. And there's a whole bunch of other people that I don't necessarily. Oh, Trump. Uh, this. What's it called? Trump SC. Yeah. He does uh, Hearthstone. Yeah. He'll be doing some too. So they got a, and that's like half the list. The other people I don't necessarily rec- recognize, but I'm, you know, there, there's a reason why they're getting roped in on this. Um, I do recognize and, a couple people who are uh, 
who stream magic regularly who are partnered with Twitch too. So yeah. Also, uh, these this is not with like the regular accounts. These are going to be with like special accounts that have access to every card in the in the uh, in the client, including Dominaria cards. Yeah. Also. So they're going to be able to play with Dominaria cards right off the bat and try to do whatever they want. Yeah, they're going to have three of each of the Dominaria cards unlocked. Um, they have a bunch of packs to crack because everybody loves watching people crack packs, especially when there's really no value to it, like on these uh, test accounts, basically. So, I mean, also, th- these are packs that Marshall can't complain about because they're not drafted, <laughs> so it's yeah. fine. Oh, yeah. They're, and there's temporary accounts on a pre-production environment and stuff like that. So what's great and I really hope people aren't like, oh, they're feeding them cards because these accounts are going to get locked out. They're not going to have access to these special accounts when it goes live on the 26th. So there's apparently going to be more updates coming on April 25th, which is kind of cool because that's my birthday. Yeah, yeah. Get a nice birthday gift of uh, a new set refresh uh, going live next week, the day after. But Arena. John, are you in Arena yet? I've been, I've been in Arena. Okay, good. Right. Yeah. Duh. Wow. We had this. We've had this conversation before. I know. I'm a dumb. Anyway. So currently, uh, have you been grinding that a lot? I know you've been uh, jamming a bunch of your Eternal. Cause uh, yeah, I I I, gr- I grinded a lot of uh, Arena earlier. I grinded enough until I was able to open the vault, and then I was thoroughly unimpressed. And then I've kind of fallen off of grinding in Eternal or in Arena, uh, mainly because it's just not rewarding to like grind in Arena. Like if I have, for example. I had uh, like 875 gold, right? After getting all of my dailies out of the way and all of the other like daily wins. If I wanted to open that pack, I had to wait till tomorrow to get or to the next day to get the gold in order to do so. And I would just rather try to grind and open it, get that pack that day. But the system doesn't allow me to do that. Yeah. And which just... is an economy, which is an economy issue, not a gameplay issue. Oh, yeah, of course. But it's one of those where because of the economy, you don't get to take advantage of the gameplay. Because you won't exactly. play. So, yeah, I, I've noticed that where, like, I've gotten frozen out or, like, I was streaming last night. Actually, finally won my... I don't think I actually won that match. No, I, I didn't actually think I finished my second daily in my fifth of the week. But as well as, like, I played four or five rounds and faced, like, God... Fa- I faced Scarab God decks, like, three times. And I was just, like, jamming red-white and eventually tried Scarab God again and lost the mirror. Because I have a Scarab God on my account, which is not bad. I mean, I so I enjoy it. Uh, I turned the auto tapping off, which has made a world of the different world of difference. Um, I'm learning how to do shift enter, which oh. is the default uh, pass to hold prior until priority. Yes. Um, it's the I'm, I'm getting more used to the UI, and like that was my main or the user yeah the user interface with controls and stuff like that, that was my main main issue at first. Like I know I talked about a couple weeks. Like once I get used to like how to actually get the nitty gritty down in terms of control for the actual thing itself it'll be fine and it's been great uh i like some of the base decks that they've built for you and give you like they give you like the one mythic in the deck and stuff like that which is nice because uh, it fits the theme for a lot of them i have a bunch of rare and mythic wild cards to burn right now uh but i haven't settled on a deck yet so maybe on a future stream i'll try and settle on a deck once uh dominary goes live next week can use one of my use my wild cards on that stuff but i don't know it just the meta has been, like I said, the meta is weird, and the, and the devs have noticed this. Like they they mentioned it in the state of the beta. It, they've actually said, and I'll get to it here. It's that basically met, scarab it's, God it's the literally it, yeah, it's literally a highlighted bullet point. Technically, it says we've we've seen some different types of complaints rolling in related to meta games. Some are upset about blue black control. Some are frustrated with mono red aggro. Hmm, sounds like actual standard. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, we believe the Dominary releasing next week will help shake things up enough to address these concerns. But I still want to use this as a chance to quickly touch upon how we plan on managing arena-exclusive formats. Short answer, any arena-exclusive formats that may exist in the future will be handled with the same care and attention they treat all Magic formats. Listen to the player concerns, watching, working with R&D to make sure formats stay healthy and diverse. They might have a separate arena ban list. Hmm. If, well, I mean, for arena-only account. For arena-only formats, sure. Right, yeah, for arena-only formats, like, that is really comforting to hear, to be honest. Like, saying, like, hey, we're treating this as basically a whole extra format for BNR lists. It's, like, cool. Yeah. Like, that is great to hear. Um, I really do hope that we see less of Scarab God, the format, once we get more cards in the thing. Because it's kind of weird how you have Standard, which has Kaladesh, and then you have Arena Standard, 
which doesn't have Kaladesh, but has all the other sets and has a slower build to get optimal decks. So you're not going to see those like mythic rares that you would see like seven or eight of in a regular standard deck. You're going to have like maybe two or three of them. If yeah, the big difference that a lot of people I don't think either understand or appreciate is the fact that in Paper Magic, uh, due to the fact that a secondary market exists, I can go out right now and buy a standard deck. I can't do that in Arena because Arena is not your local game store. Arena is a free-to-play game where the goal is for wizards to earn money because you're eventually going to buy gems for either cosmetics or if you want to get packs, you can get packs. Yeah, it's its own little fenced-in ecosystem, which is good and also kind of weird in that sense where you can't just go – to be fair, you can't go net deck something easily. And there have been a lot of great articles going around about how – like how the arena – how long it takes to get a viable, like standard-worthy deck in in paper versus in arena and i think for like for like blue black mid-range it was something absurd like 70 weeks yeah or not 70 so, weeks it was like it was only like 30 40 weeks or whatever which is which is not reasonable so and that's one thing so i think with the wild cards and i know people have also touched on this before the other things too you really need to start valuing the power commons and uncommons stuff like a gust walker if you're looking for an aggro deck because you're going to get a lot more of your uncommon and common wild cards to dump into those kind of cards, like, or even lightning strike. Yeah. Like lightning strike is huge. It's going to be great. All- like, I, I need to buy more of them because I, with my red white deck that I was playing with, I got my opponent down to th- two life and it, then they stabilized and I yeah. couldn't get another attacker through. And if I had had four, a four of, of an uncommon with reach that can hit my opponent in the face, Bam! That's great. That's what I need in my deck. I only had two, yeah. so that's what, one. Yeah, and what you're describing is true of every like free to play game. If you are strictly being free to play, where it's you know you need to value your powerful commons and uncommons because it may take you a little bit to get that playset of that rare or your two copies of that legendary or mythic that you need. Um, however, I do think that it should be reasonable to be able to get a standard deck before or to be able to get enough of the first of the previous set before the new set launches which i think is the big thing yeah um but we'll but we'll see exactly how that goes forward in the future um oh and something that didn't necessarily come out today but was kind of announced is that brawl isn't going to be in arena on launch and some people are like that's a mistake your new format not on your your new product coming out and i'm like going through these issues of hey, I need to grind these cards out. It's like that kind of puts a constraint on your wild cards as well. So it's like, do I shoot for just a brawl deck or do I shoot for a standard arena standard deck? Where I think it depends on what you're trying to get out of arena ultimately. Exactly. It's like, what am I grinding for here? Am I going to grind for brawl in which I prioritize one ofs? And if I have one ravenous chupacabra i'm not buying four ravenous chupacabras with my wild cards as opposed to somebody building an arena deck like a 1v1 arena deck where you're like i need four ravenous chupacabras in my black x deck yeah or i need four lightning strikes or four of these other rares like i need to get four uh glory bringers or something like that yeah and also don't forget that because the economy is not is not fully complete until they have draft and again this is these are keeper drafts so it's not like um, you, you're like the Hearthstone drafts where you take the cards, but you don't get to keep them at the end of the day. You just get like packs or whatever. You get to keep the cards that you open. And so being able to draft as another way of spending your gold to, to draft, and usually, usually how it usually works, I said usually a lot there, is that draft is going to be a better value for you than just buying packs. Oh, yeah, because right now... it should be. Yeah, right now it's almost a situation of don't start buying packs anymore with your gold. Just start hoarding it uh, at this point until drafts go live. But that's in May. So you have... You can go, you know, crack a couple more packs this week if you want to. But I would say with maybe a week or so out, if we find out... Once we find out exactly how the draft payment into it's going to work, definitely start prepping to draft a bunch if you want to do that. If you want to go build... You know, constructed decks, have at it. It's fine. Yeah. That said, I do like that they are stating they're aware of things and other stuff like that. Oh, speaking of four ofs, though, fun thing. They mentioned in this state of the beta, Rat Colony. 
the new card coming out that has the Shadowborn Apostle and Relentless, Relentless Rats, Rats yeah. of you may play any number of this card in your deck. How is that going to work on Arena? Well, they said how. All you need to do is unlock four copies of the card, and once you have that fourth copy unlocked, you basically get unlimited copies. All right, that's clever. So I you like can that. so you can get four rat colonies, and then that unlocks you to build the full rat colony deck if you want to just build a get a ton of rats in your deck. All right, that's that's reasonable. Yeah, so it's like they're not going to be like <laughs> you want to play a rat colony of like 30, 40 rats. You need to get forty rats. It's like no, no, just get four. And then we'll unlock the ability for you to just add the rest as you need. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. That is very good. I I do like that solution. That's very nice. Um, Speaking of Dominaria, there was a big rules change that we talked a little bit about of uh, when they announced them. Uh, But there's a few big rules changes that are happening with Dominaria that have gone live on on things like Gatherer and Scryfall. And uh, Magic Online. Basically, (laughs) and Magic Online, which basically amounts to the Planeswalker redirection rule. There's also this thing where uh, they applied the new legendary border to all cards with the new the newest frame, aka M15 and forward. Yeah, which looks weird in some cases, especially on Magic Online. It hasn't but, gone over well. Let's put yeah, it that way. The, it seems that everything it ha- that hasn't happened very well. Also, don't compare trying to fix a bug with a card of doing a graphical change. Those are in no way comparable. Anyways. Oh yeah, no. Uh, so, so basically, what ended up happening is it's the, the I and I tweeted about this earlier is I think the biggest indictment of that frame change on Magic Online is simply the fact that the cards on Magic Online are such a slow re- or low resolution like X by X, yeah, that it just doesn't look good. That is definitely true. Because in paper, like during the pre-release when they were showing them, it looked pretty decent, like paper-wise at, on stream. Yeah. We'll see how they look when we get them in our hands, but I think they're going to look pretty good. Also, of a quick little side note, um, people do have uh, people who are basically retailers um, and or private sellers that have routes through distributors have been cracking boxes of cards already. Yeah, so they can have singles to sell on Friday or Correct. on um, Correct. the next day. And um, one of them, Jeremy, was posting picture pics of some of his polls, and people the constant question he was being asked the whole day was simply how did the cards feel and people who played the pre-pre-release like april i know was chipping in too saying like and graham as well said hey we've had all these cards sitting out in the open in the pacific northwest humidity for the and moisture for the last week and a half now nuns a lot of them unsleeved and no warping the foils it has the the japanese mat uh thing now which is has always been regarded as that and europe having the two uh processes that you want it was usually the um, the north american cards that were having the issues also there was one of the directors of um products at wizards they're starting an article series talking about their process making the cards and they're talking about how they how they they were changing things up and how the dominant cards feel different which is great um but rules change yeah the planeswalker direction rule remember uh basically they're changing cards to or that cards that deal damage to players or planeswalkers they're trying to make it simpler. Starting with Dominaria, if a card says deal damage to a player, it only deals damage to players. You can't redirect it to Planeswalkers. Card to this effect's in standard right now, Hazret. Hazret cannot deal damage to Planeswalkers. Chandra. Chandra cannot deal damage to Planeswalkers. However, there are other cards like Lightning Strike, which become very simple. Deal three damage to any target. Really easy. There are other cards, however, that suddenly become really complicated. <laughs> this, uh, this, because this, Gatherer this, is updated. Yeah, this is the one that I found through a Facebook group that I'm on. Uh, magic the seattling uh someone's like man check this one out uh it's searing blaze the good old common from hold on i actually have a a copy in front of me right now no i I have i have i have gatherer pulled up so i have the original copy and the original card text so it has landfall and the the regular thing deals one damage and the landfall deals three damage so i'm not going to read both clauses i just wanted to state that so originally on the card it's red red for an instant searing blaze deals one damage to target player and one damage to target creature that player controls. Straightforward, right? And landfall, it does three damage instead of one. Correct. It now reads, Searing Blaze deals one damage to target player or planeswalker and one damage to target creature that player or that planeswalker's controller controls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it also states the same for the landfall clause verbatim as well. It got wordy 
Yeah, that's the problem. Planeswalkers, these erratas. Planeswalkers controller controls. Listen, they're trying to make sure that the cards still work the way that you think they work in a lot of instances. And that's great. That's fine. But I just find that really wordy tongue twister, like a little bit of a phrase is Searing Blaze is like the perfect card to do that because of it dealing sources. It deals. So and the fact that it lists out the same way in the landfall text as well is the other big kicker. Correct. So the fun thing about that is that if it gets reprinted, they're going to have to shrink the text because literally Searing Blaze as it is takes up the entire text box. Or they're going to have to do something where it's like, you know, Searing Blaze deals one damage to target player or Planeswalker and up to one damage to target creature that player or that Planeswalker's controller controls. Or and then Landfall. Uh, instead, instead of, of one damage, one damage deals, deals three, three damage. Instead. Yeah. In each instance. I don't instance. know how – yeah, in each instance. I don't know if there's an a easy card rules text way of saying that, but that's like the easy solution. It'll be but interesting. Th- it'll be very interesting. But then again, Searing Blaze I'm not sure is really – hankering for a reprint in a standard legal set at least anyways so uh it could see master's print really it could see master's print that is it, true. it, it did get a dual decks reprint venture versus yes. Koth. so if they ever redo that in a dual decks kind of anthology two i think it would be like uh chandra's uh chandra's spellbook yeah that could be one um namely fun fact though about searing blaze if you kids haven't played with this one it deals one damage if either one of those targets gets hexproof or can't be targeted through some instant effect. The spell fizzles itself. It has to be able to do both. No, it'll do its oh, it best doesn't? job. Oh, it just does just one. Yeah. It, so the way that targeting effects work, here's a little rules, magic rules ending for you. Uh, all of the targets of a spell must be illegal for the spell to fizzle. So if I deal one damage to your blighted agent and one damage to you, and you decide to um, give oh. your your glistener elf uh, hexproof or shroud, uh, the spell will do its best to resolve, and it will deal one damage to you. So vines of basswood basically can't yeah, be targeted. Because it says target player. If it had if it had just said deals one damage to target creature and one damage to its controller, then oh. that would fizzle based off of vines right. Of Sorry, yeah, no, I was thinking like under leyline of sanctity, you can't Correct. target the player, but you can target the creature. That's uh, Ley- well. The thing is, you can't cast Leyline of Sanctity either, or you you can't cast Searing Blaze into Leyline either. But yeah, so oh, because Searing has to Blaze be. is weird. Yeah, Searing Blaze is a really weird card to use for those things. Sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> no, you're good. It also yeah. gets into weird things, like for example, uh, Cryptic Command. Uh, if you do, so if I cast a spell and then you Cryptic Command my spell, choosing Counter Target Spell, draw a card. If I counter my original spell, your your Cryptic Command will fizzle and you won't even draw a card. Um. Because counter is like the second or third option on that, right? Uh, it's counter target spell. Well, in that case, it doesn't matter because it's because there's only one targeting effect, right? Because if the target's removed, then the entire spell fizzles. Right, right. There's if there's multiple targeting effects and you remove the first layer of it. I'm thinking Colgan's command. Oh, Colgan's command will always work because there you're always declaring two targets. Right. You have to make you'd have to make both targets illegal. Yeah, and also this is the reason why you if you're are trying to it's not really relevant more these days, but when Electrolyze and uh, Spellskite were a thing, you'd always yeah. should at least ping Spellskite with one bit of the two pings. Otherwise, if you try to go ping your face, ping your creature, they can just go redirect the creature one to Spellskite. But if you ping one to the creature, one to Spellskite, you can't redirect the other ping to Spellskite. Yeah, it's, it's, Spellskite makes a lot of things really awkward. There's a lot of weird corner cases that are fun, though, to talk about. I like that kind of stuff. It is it hurts. Fun. It hurts your brain, yes, but they're fun to talk about. It certainly is. So, so with with that, it's uh, there's some interesting changes. Um, a lot of so a lot of these like rules references and other kinds of things we've been talking about. Uh, there were some weird weird magic online things that happened today. Uh, oh yeah, that was weird. It got buggy. So. Dominary cards were added to all formats, which meant reprinted Dominary cards are now legal in certain formats. Uh, so basically, you can play Gilded Lotus in Brawl now, even though Dominaria's print of it hasn't happened. Um, unfortunately, Gaia's Blessing and Nature Spiral aren't registering as legal right now, so that's kind of awkward. And then there's also the fact that like Goblin Warchief, I think, is now legal in Modern. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, the yeah. fun thing, too, is Apparently, people weren't aware that they in, in, implemented the Planeswalker redirection rule. So people are still playing games as if the redirection rule occurred. And like, oh, 
Oh, it doesn't do that anymore. And, yeah, and which the, Magic the, Online admit, or the Wizards people admitted that that was a mistake that they should have been more they should have been more vo- vo- vocal about that that they were doing that rules change here. Um, yeah, and they should the, have done so. We have the full with, yeah, we have the full Tumblr post linked below. But also, fun thing: so Brawl was released today. So if you love if you like Brawl, it's now live on Magic Online. However, it broke Commander and One v One Commander <laughs> in doing which so, which is very funny. Yeah, the starting life totals for Commander and 1v1 Commander. Now, remember, Magic Online is a spaghetti, um, plate of spaghetti of code right now, where literally you could make one tweak to something one place to, so instance, Colorless Mana completely broke the mana, like they had to redo the whole mana base, or how mana was operating in Magic Online. I talked to one of the developers when that happened, um, or about how they had to do it. Like, they basically said one guy just basically spent months on rewriting the the actual underlying code for how ma- uh, mana work just to implement colorless mana yeah it's kind of crazy magic online is like a sandcastle that is built on top of silt that's built on top of air there's just no structural integrity really whatsoever except just putting more sand on it and that's and to be fair that's not in the so i know friends at wizards who work on the game it's not their fault it's literally just the fact that this game has insanely complex rules that are insanely complex to actually code where some things won't work. Like like uh, another we, story that I love was when they tried to make Whims of the Fates or when <laughs> they made Whims of the Fates in Born of the Gods, which is a five and a red sorcery. Uh, each player separates their permanents into three piles and then sacrifices one randomly. Magic Online couldn't deal with separating things into threes. It could only deal with separating things into twos. That's weird. So they had to do a huge think tank about how to implement Magic Online in Magic Online separating things into three piles. It's That's like a really weird one where you're like, that shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's, that that's suddenly easy, like fixing like Wall of Roots bug or fixing Panglacial Worm or whatever. Well, apparently the Wall of Roots thing too, people were giving an example of how Trinosphere had an issue with it on Magic Online that the only reason that Trinosphere got corrected is because it was printed in vintage masters and they had to address it eventually they're like this is just some bug like it's existed and we don't know how it broken and then like they had to intentionally dig into it just to make a card that was in a special master's draft set work <laughs> but uh, yeah either way magic online still great it just has its quirks magic online is not perfect and no one will claim that it is but, but it's it is but it's the like best one, way it's like to one play of the best magic. ways to play magic oh yeah um, and apparently they also have a thing underlying where they made it easier to ship fixes without downtimes frequently. So like it might be a case of where they apply a hot fix where the next time you restore your client, it just automatically will pop it in. So that's kind of yep. cool. So to close things out, there's a couple cards we meant to talk about, but didn't actually did. get to due to stuff. <laughs> And things, technical issues, and the fact that we do like to keep this podcast to about an hour. And uh, so let's see. Uh, I'm just going to choose one of these because I think the one that I highlighted in our show notes is the one that I think deserves not necessarily the most attention, but it was a card that I did not think would be reprinted in standard. In standard now, yeah, it's it's interesting. So, John, tell because us it's... tell us about icy manipulator. So, icy manipulator is a four mana artifact. It's an uncommon. That says one and tap, tap target artifact, creature, or land. Now, this is an old, old card. This is not a new card. This is not This is a, not just a reprint from, like, Mirrodin, which I think was its most recent printing, beyond this one. But this taps lands. This is not a fair magic card. This was played in, in like, Type 2 back in the day. That's how good this card was. John, what was Type 2? Type 2 is standard. There you go. I didn't play during that either. But I yeah, no, to use- this, this is, like, Rashad Import on Drugs. That it, it just doesn't creatures it doesn't, too. It doesn't tap. Yeah, so Rashad imports the land that taps for colorless, and then you can pay one and tap Rashad import to tap the land. You it doesn't make mana, but you can just tap this to tap an artifact, tap a creature, tap a land. Now remember, there are artifacts that state like effects cannot happen if this is tapped. I don't think there's any in standard right now that necessarily worry about that. This doesn't affect it if it's tapped, but I mean, you could just be like, uh, end turn, end step, tap your artifact. Because why not? But no, Ice Manipulator is weird and dumb. And I I really hope that someone tries to make a really weird. Um, so here's the printing history of deck. here's the printing history of Ice Manipulator. 
uh, Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, Cold or uh, Ice Age, Ninth uh, Edition, Tenth Edition, and Mirrodin, as well as one dual deck printing and dual decks: uh, Ajani versus Nickel Bolas. Nickel Brolas. Those yeah. that that is the printing history of Icy Manipulator. So I think actually Tenth Edition may be the most recent one. Uh, I gotta say though, Titus Mutner's art for the new one is sick. So he talked about it that it's like some cabal strong, not the, the stronghold, but like some cabal temple little uh, manor that they've taken over or something like that. And they didn't quite know what they were getting themselves into. And they tapped the manipulator, icy manipulator, and it's starting to freeze things over in the building. Ha ha. Which is pretty kind of cool. Yeah. So I, I was just surprised that they reprinted this card. Um, I have a friend who really likes mana denial strategies, and he's really into it. I'm just like, please no. So the the flavor text on it is great, too. It says, ice may thaw, but malice never does. And it's like, yes, Ooh. it's so good. It's so good. But no, um, it, it's going to be funny. It's it's going to be one of those cards that you'll def. It's an uncommon, so you'll probably see it later in a draft unless somebody wants to go the full bore um, control. I think it's actually going to get picked like early. Really? It's it's a four mana artifact, but it's very powerful. That's a good point. I mean, somebody will want a Dirtle Duck. We'll I mean, it's a good way to lock down your opponent's best creature every turn. That's true. And before like, we close, I do want to share what's probably some of the best flavor text uh, in the set on Feral Abomination, which is a unimpressive five and a black common thrall. It's a five five with death touch. However, it has one of the best flavor texts by Mister Lost Spoons Skulltown Gossip. Urborg used to be lovely, scenic volcanoes, respectable lich lords. Since the Cabal came with their nightmares and thrills, it's all gone to the worms. <laughs> yeah, respectable lich lords. Uh, I remember Ur- those days. Urborg used to be lovely. Remember, Urborg Ur- Ur- is where Yogmoth died. <laughs> yeah, it's not a fun place. No, it used, to, it used to be fine back like in the day when Vents, like Venser's from Urborg. Like, uh, bef- Venser was doing his work in Urborg. I don't know if he's was from doing- there. Oh, yeah, I don't know. But anyways, he, he he was rebuilding a Phyrexian skyship, and then that's when Koth and Elspeth found him right before Scars of Mirrodin. And they're like, dude, what the hell are you doing? It's like, I don't know, stuff and things. <laughs> yeah, and then Koth encased his head in metal and or earth and forced him to planeswalk to Mirrodin. Yeah, those weird times. Story was, story's good nowadays, though. Seriously, though, if you haven't read the story. Uh Hey, Teferi showed up this week. Teferi did show up this week, and I'm not going to talk about the end of it, but OMG, spoilers, the end of it's pretty sick. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Seriously, though, it's like, they've been, ki- like, Martha Wells killed it. Or, or I think we're halfway we're halfway through it now. Like, six of 12 parts have been done. Yeah, I think we're, we are just halfway through. And it has been pretty good so far. The band is basically together at this point. And we're. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was one point where I felt there was very stilted dialogue, but I think overall the story's been pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you know, it'll happen. It'll happen. Anyways, Ian, if people wanted to find you and engage in all of the things social with you, where can they do so? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That is D I X O N I J. And you guys can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. Uh, I was going to stream tonight, but adulting came in the way of that. Um, I'll probably run some arena stuff on Friday because I have off on Friday. I have off on Monday. I might stream tomorrow or the, around the time you're listening to this. If you're listening to this, it might already be too late. <laughs> um, probably just jamming arena because – and I want to run some more pauper. pauper For what it's worth, arena is very fun. It is. People are um, giving it a lot of crap, but it is a lot of fun. Oh, no, no. It's, it's nice to stream too, um, especially since it's just one round and done, which is – so nice to not have to worry about sideboarding and stuff like that. But Pauper's great. Been enjoying it. Um, I've, I've kind of set aside the Morositron deck right now. And I'm jamming a bunch of the... Uh, is it Blitz deck that Lauren built? Kiln Friend. Yeah, Kiln Friend with Manamorphose. Let me tell you what. Manamorphose is the truth. I forgot that it was that, common. Dude, it's the truth. Like, in that deck, you were watching me last night when we were doing it. Like, it allowed me to combo off on turns that I would not have been able to combo off on before. It's true. When your spells are free. Yeah, it's pretty good. Anyway, John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at JYLEY129. That is J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. I'm also on Twitch at the same handle. Uh, If you see me around in Twitch chats, don't hesitate to say hi. I love to talk magic, among other things. I've also, again, been uploading a lot of stuff to YouTube. What? I was going to say. 
I should do a, I should do a modern uh, cube draft before it goes away in two days. Yes, you should. Uh, I've also been uploading a lot of videos to YouTube. You can find them on YouTube under the username Well of John uh, because I like puns. Um, the most recent upload as of as of today would be another Slay the Spire str- uh, playthrough because I've been really enjoying Slay the Spire. It's a real fun little game. Still in early access though. Still a few things that need be, need to be worked on as far as like the the UI and the smoothness of the game. But I do really enjoy the game. Hats off to Mega Megacrit for making that. Now, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to y'all next time. Mm-hmm.